Is your school community thriving? How do you know? More importantly, how do you, how can you be a powerful agent for building a thriving school community? The wonderful thing about the answers to these questions is that they are so, so simple. We're joined today by a wonderful soul, and I guarantee you will be leaving today's show feeling uplifted and inspired. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Charlie Peck is the co-creator of Thriving School Community, a revolutionary program designed for schools to improve the mental health of staff and students. She holds an MS in education and an MS in social work and is a 20-year veteran in education. As a global keynote speaker, she delivers powerful messages of hope to educators and facilitates meaningful professional development to equip adults with tools that integrate into everyday practice. As a high school teacher who's turned clinical therapist, she has a unique lens. She's worked very closely with adolescents and families in crisis, and this makes her stories relevant and captivating to those struggling in today's system. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you on, and we've been working to do this for multiple months. <laughs> and I, I just want to point something out to people that are listening, because most of the people listening work in schools with teams. And I've been out of my school environment now for about four years. And the thing I miss most is that collegiality, you know, having those people that you work with and having that kind of team to be a part of. And you and I are in the same mastermind group, Darren's there, a couple other people. And that has been so, so enriching to me to feel like I've got this team again. And so I'm so glad to have you here. And what I want to point out to listeners is appreciate. If you have a team and you have good people around you, just pause for a second and appreciate what, what a joy that is and what a special thing that is. So here's to teams. Thank you for being here and kind of us be, feeling like we're on the same team. Yes, it's our PLC. Once you're not connected to a school or specific district, when we step out and do this work, it, it you've got to connect with other people. So yeah, I completely agree. Charlie, I always like to start with celebrations. What are you celebrating today? Ooh, I am celebrating health. Today, I feel good. I feel energized. I get to do this important work and there's a lot of great opportunities coming up. So I'm just great to have the health and mobility to do this. Mm. And speaking of what you're doing, 
is there a story that will help listeners understand why you're doing what you do? Hmm. There are many stories, Frederick, but there is one in particular that I will share with you is I'll take you back to 2019, New Year's Day. And I was driving back from visiting family with my, my children. I have three boys and my husband. And in our family on New Year's Day, we not only make our own New Year's resolutions, but we give them to each other. And that's really fun. I talk about that in the keynote that I do. And uh, my eight-year-old at the time said to me, he said, for you, mom, I want you to smile more. And right, wow. I thought I was holding it all together like we educators do all the time. And I, I thought I was pulling it off, but I wasn't. And the smile I was putting on for everybody didn't match what was, was going on inside. And so I got caught and it shifted everything that I did from there on to what I am doing now. I love that. That's so powerful. Um, William D. Parker tells a story about his wife sitting him down and having a conversation, um, um, something a little bit similar. And I think it's really interesting how the, the people we care about most are the people who can hold us most accountable. I love that. It's so true, isn't it? They notice more than we we do sometimes. Yeah, yeah, because we do. We think we're holding it all together. And all the listeners out there are those administrators and coaches who you put on the face and you go in and you go hard and you do it. But what happens when you step out of the office and get in the car and head home? Yeah, it's so true. And APs right now, especially, I mean, they're caring a lot. There's so many roles that they play. I don't, I don't know that other people really understand their role well. Clearly your listeners do, they're in it, but it, it's truly a lot that they're carrying and they're trying to hold everybody together around them. Yeah, and I am really excited to, to dig in today because your, your focus is on building thriving school communities. And I always think the assistant principal, I, that's, that's the glue, right? They're in, they're in every crevice, every crack, every little place the assistant principal probably has a hand in it and and so they can be such an integral role before we talk about how assistant principals can can help let's talk about what what really is a thriving school community that's a great question it's when you show up to school every day even if there's ups and downs then you can rely on each other there's a common climate that's beyond the positive school climate it is it's truly something you feel secure and engaging in. And that is that goes for staff, all staff, students, and parent groups. And so everybody's partnering together. It's kind of like an immersive cultural experience when you're learning a new language. Everybody's experiencing the language. Everyone's talking the same language and practicing it every day. You know you're thriving when kids want to show up to your classroom, when staff want to show up to your building and want to approach you for a conversation and lean on you as an administrator. So it feels like those are the kind of things that I walk into school. I know it when I see it. You right? do. You and, do. And one of the, I had nine items that I used to really focus on when I would walk into schools because I, I was doing work that I was in many, many different schools. And I had this mental checklist of things that I looked for that I thought were markers of a really good school. And that interaction between students in the halls teachers and students in the halls was huge. And I, I, so I can think about, all right, I know what this looks like, but if I want to be a little bit more 
maybe methodical. How can I understand and evaluate the current state of my school community? Right. And there's, there's a lot of data, right? You've already, you, you all are gaining the data already. A lot of times we don't know what to do with it. We have school climate surveys. A lot of people use Panorama. There's a lot of day-to-day -day measurable tools to use like that, that are assessments. But really it's about what are, it sounds so foo-foo, Frederick, but what is the energy like? Like, how are you measuring the energy? And you know it. And one, one of the things I do in a session is I have everyone put their arms straight out. And I say that there's evidence to show that your energy that you have in that moment radiates out that far. And so how close do we get to kids? How close do we get to staff when they're walking in the building? I mean, think about that. And, and people know this. You don't need any tools to measure that. But we do have data. And I know that as administrators, we have to have some data. So we do have school climate surveys. We do other kinds of surveys just to check, like, what is the, what are you feeling now? Then let's do the session. How are you feeling now? What, what have you gained? Those typical tools. I like to think about, we're kind of talking about culture, but it's, it's bigger than culture, right? I think it's deeper than, than culture, but I like to think about school culture as being the interaction between people, purpose, structures, and resources. And that when we have clarity of purpose and that purpose is consistent with why teachers got in the profession, right? So when the purpose actually is aligned to the people, not the other way around, when the purpose is aligned to the people, when the structures are aligned, when, when structures and the way we do things makes it easier for teachers to do good teaching. And when they have the resources they need, that's an aligned organization. And so people feel like they can come in and they're being supported in doing the work that they're passionate about. They have the opportunities to grow. And then the, the opposite of that, of course, is when all that stuff doesn't fit. When we're asking teachers to do all kinds of stuff that isn't helping them be better at teaching, they don't have the resources. When we're pounding them on test scores instead of children's lives and building agency, we're creating that that un misalignment and that that has a negative impact. I, I'd like you to kind of process that through your lens and and just give me some thoughts on that. Yeah, there's a couple of things that pop up for me. Number one is purpose shifts. So our purpose that we start with in education, we have to leave space for people to shift their purpose to align with what's going on in their life right then. I mean, you might be a new young single person when you start teaching and your purpose for education, you you want to serve kids, you want to do all of the extracurricular that you can. And then, then maybe you have a partner or get married and have children and your purpose shifts. You still love kids and you want to serve them, but now you have some wisdom to share and you might serve them in a different way. That might be a conversation you have with them that looks them in the eye and spends that a few moments with them rather than using your time up to coach a volleyball team after school. That purpose has changed in how it shows up. And so I think APs can do a really good job with understanding that shift and asking their educators they're working with, what is your purpose right now? What do you need from me right now to serve your purpose? How do I help you do your job better? What do you need? Those brief questions are so powerful because the other thing that popped in my head when you were talking about this, Frederick, which you talked a lot about on my podcast, it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> and it really it popped in my head because I remember the structure you gave. It's, it's so essential is that you then show the teachers that you value them. 
And one of the major disconnects in education right now with mental health issues surrounding it are feeling completely undervalued. And I know for a fact, and so do you, that our, our leaders do value them most of the time, but many times they're dealing with their own thing or there's some disconnect they're missing. And there's lots of reasons for that, but that's what popped up in my head. I want to just hammer on that value piece for a minute. Every time that I work with a school administrator and we'll talk about listening, being present, and, you know, I push my five minute coaching, which is those three questions. What's going well? Is there anything that surprised you? Is there anything you would do differently? Every time that an administrator grabs that and begins talking with teachers, they come back and say, wow, like I couldn't get them to shut up. They just loved sharing and they loved reflecting and, and they loved being listened to. Yeah. And they're proud of the work that they're doing in their classrooms. They are working so hard to prepare, to learn, to research, to listen, to adjust, adapt, and engage. I mean, they're trying so hard. So when it goes unnoticed, it is disheartening. I can't tell you how many times I, I was proud of the things I was doing too, because I was doing a ton of training and, and all of that. And I asked my principal, I said, can you come in and, and engage in what we're what I'm doing? And not only that, I honestly valued him and I wanted his feedback. I wanted him to give me feedback because he had all this experience that I valued. So I wanted that. And teachers feel valued when the work that they're doing is validated, but also they're not afraid of your feedback as long as it's genuinely about growth. That's what they're there to do all the time is to learn and grow along with their students. Yeah. And, and I would add to that, this is kind of my pet thing. But if we're going to give feedback to teachers, we need to be able to follow up and support them in that. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Because if you don't follow through, wow, have you just really severed that relationship? And yeah. Just... Yeah. So Good um, point. And I think that it's fundamental. The shift that people are going to have to make is moving from task orientation to people orientation. And I know it's easier said than done because the we're going to time out. Hang on just a sec. Okay. So we're going to leave this break in because here's what happened. I'm at home. Guys are working in the, yeah. in the living room. They're installing a propane set of propane logs. And the one guy's hooking up the gas line downstairs and bumped the water line. And it just started spewing water because oh, we have yeah. some, yeah, the, the old fittings, we have this PEX pipe, the old fittings are all corroding out. So water started shooting out everywhere. Oh, so I'm running out of here, shutting down the water line. So our main water line shut down right now. Oh, um, and, and now I'm coming back to this podcast, right? And I need to show up. So I'm trying to get my, my our right. closet downstairs is soaking wet. Everything's going to have to be oh, pulled out of God. there. And I, but I think this is a great example, right? This is why we have to be human centered leaders because, you know, this is a minor catastrophe, but if it was a real catastrophe, some, you know, my mom was in the hospital or something like that, I'm coming to do my job, but my purpose has changed maybe, right? And what I need, the support I need from you has changed. But if you're task oriented and all you're doing is walking by me or telling me what you need from me you're missing that opportunity to say, whoa, Frederick, something's going on. What, like, mm -hmm. let's talk about this. 
what do you what do you need because then you can start meeting the needs of the people and when you're people centered you're building that thriving community do i have that right you absolutely do because you just said something important you noticed them you noticed something was different there's a change in affect there's a change there's a change you notice on their face and giving them that space here's what here's what the objection is a lot i don't have time to have a conversation with every single one of my staff we're not asking you to did we never said that did we we said the notice and when you do or seek people out it doesn't have to even be a 5 or 10 minute conversation i don't i know it doesn't i do this with with students and leaders superintendents principals teachers all the time you can do a lot in just 1 minute you see them hey i noticed something seems off what do you need right now you don't even need to dive in cuz they don't want they don't always want to tell you and you don't you don't need that exchange you say what do you need from me how can i support you right now sometimes we're like it's okay. I got it. And they are, they're going to manage it, but you saw them. So now they trust you. And now you've just connect that connection will linger with them in a way that if you had walked past and not noticed that would be really negative and sometimes devastating. Yeah. Charlie, I think there are really simple things we can do that are in some ways technical, right? Because the the questions are important. The questions we ask are powerful. And there are a lot of short questions, uh, kind of short responses, ways to affirm people that we can just memorize and just and then they become part of the way we do things. One of the practices that I advocate for is, ask, I call it asking the second question. So we get on, Charlie, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Okay, really? how are you doing? Because we use, we use, how are you as a form of acknowledgement and saying, hello, we don't really, when we ask that question, we don't really expect you to answer right. <laughs> honestly. And, right. and yet when we ask it again, that second question, we're saying, no, I really want to know how you are. So how does that fit with what do you need from me? Like we're getting super technical here, but I'm trying to think if I'm going through the school and I'm working with my teachers, do I, when I notice somebody and I, do I ask, how are you? And I try to get that information and then it's, what do you need from me? Or do I see somebody that's just something's wrong? And I go up and I say, Hey, what do you need from me? I know this is super technical, but I think it's important. Yeah. There's a few approaches there. It's like when you work with young kids and you don't want to throw too many questions out at kids. Actually, you want to leave space because it's overwhelming for them. Well, teachers, especially, but anybody in a school building or system right now is overwhelmed. So when people are overwhelmed, we want to actually be cautious about asking questions in the first place. So the way I like to approach it is to say, I notice this and state the observation. I notice you look a little frazzled or I notice that something seems off. I like that one. It's so simple. I notice something seems off. And, and don't ask, don't pry. They'll either tell you or they'll be like, no, I'm fine. And a lot of times, again, people like the acknowledgement and they want to be fine and they're holding it together in that moment. And if you say something more, they might crumble and they don't want to go there, right? So something I notice that shows validation takes, how long did that take, Frederick? How many, how many seconds did that take for me to say, I noticed that? You yeah. look a little off. Yeah. Five seconds. seconds. Yeah. And it it can matter so much. The other, the other thing I like to notice, 
if, if I didn't have that engagement, what do you need from me right now to help you do your job better? Or what do you need from me in general to do your job better? And if anything else, because we want to simplify, especially when we're feeling chaos, just say, just remember the words I notice and need. You can frame that any way you, you need to. I need. It seems like you need, right? Or what do you need? So yeah. I notice and need. Okay. I love it. I have a new tool now, Charlie. Can I steal okay. this? Of course, that's what we do in education. We're supporting each other all the time. Keep it simple. There's too much. Just like active listening, Frederick, there's just too much to do. It's great. It does work. It's really good for connection. There's too many technical pieces to remember. So guess what? We're not doing it mm. and we're losing people mm. and we're trying, but we're not getting it because there's too many pieces. Simplify. Yeah. So when you think about building that thriving school community, we've talked a lot about what it looks like. We've talked about how as an assistant principal, I actually can have a really big impact on that just by showing up for people, by noticing things and then checking what people need from us. Are there other kind of big elements that go into that thriving school community that we should be thinking about? Absolutely. And I think assistant principals are already really good at doing this with kids typically. So the same thing with kids, but we need to bulk up that partnership with parents. And so I want people to think about their conversations with parents. The simplicity is here. It's the same. Do the same things. Have the same approach. Parents are have a lot of mistrust with the education system right now. Not always. A lot of schools and people do a great job. But when it is there or when we're approaching parents, when we start with assumptions or start with negativity, then it shuts them down already. And that when that's consistent, especially the AP, they have to call about discipline a lot. So it's the partnership that they're going to create while they're having that conversation is going to be important. So let's say you're calling home about a kid, they're in trouble. I want you to use the same kind of language. Like, yeah, I noticed your voice change when I told that to you. And then leave it. Like silence is powerful. Let them go say what they need to say there. Right. And if, if we're making that phone call home, that's challenging, make sure that door is closed. And we have that, that time with that parent, because they're going to need that connection with you to build that trust, which is going to pay dividends later, especially with that kid, but more importantly with the community. So I, there's a lot there. You can tell, I think a lot about this Frederick, but we can't leave them out of this. No. And there's so much to unpack just in that. Um, and I want to emphasize there are a lot of kids growing up that have a negative time in school, right? We have yeah. a lot of kids that dropped out. We have a lot of kids that get in trouble. We have a lot of kids that do fine academically, but feel very unattached and school is a very lonely and traumatic place for them. These people go on and they become parents and, and those feelings of school sit and just <laughs> incubate <laughs> for, for years and and so yet if parents potentially are coming into school to have a conference about their child and the last time they were in school you know was not a pleasant time and and so we need to understand parents are coming in a lot of times with that trauma my former superintendent said a couple of things to me that changed the way i viewed parents 
fundamentally and made it much easier for me to be a better servant. I was complaining. I was a special ed administrator in a county office, and I was complaining about a parent to my superintendent. And he said, Frederick, everybody's doing the best they can. It may not be up to your standard or it may you know, look differently, but everybody is just doing the best they can in that moment. And no parent gets up in the morning and says, oh, how can I be a bad parent today? Right? right. They want to help their kids. They love their kid. They're trying to be the best they can. And, and as soon as I started to adopt that mentality and recognize that in people, Letting go of judgment is so liberating because now you can look at people with, with compassion and empathy and think, okay, how can I help you? What do you, what do you need from me? It flips it instead of me trying to make you a better parent, right? Yes. What, what do you need from me? How can, how can I help you in this? And so if, if your child is struggling in school, well, I know that's not good for your kid. I know it's stressful for you. Let's talk about how how can we help that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times these parents, well, I will say many or most times they just feel so alone. And I, I, there's a loneliness epidemic. I'm telling you, I hear it over and over. Of course it's happening with kids, but our parents feel so alone. Sometimes even when they have other parents helping them out because they're so um, polarized and then you add the polarization of judgment from the community, judgment from the church they go to, judgment for not going to a church that their family goes, goes to, judgment from everywhere, schools. I mean, they're terrified. And so they're operating from a place of fear or they're just being defensive because they're sick and tired of being criticized for all that they've done or are doing. And a lot, and it's happening with our teachers too. And it's for the, a lot of the same reasons. They're ill-equipped. They feel ill-equipped. We know this. We knew that I knew this as a parent. My background's child development, and I lacked a lot of tools. And so I always say, like, when I was equipped, I was more confident. I still mess up, but I felt I feel more confident. And when, in my classroom, when I built a better culture for my kids, my students, then I felt more confident to do that. And it I had the outcomes were amazing. The partnerships I made with parents on those phone calls when I used those tools. It was amazing. I loved those calls home, actually. I never feared that. But that was after I was equipped. And that's what parents are feeling in silos. Teachers are feeling in silos. Leaders are feeling in silos. And we all need to come together as a whole community. And I don't think it's good enough anymore for us to just accept that we're all getting by. Because who wants to go through their life and reflect upon that when they're on their deathbed saying, I just got by? And remember in 2019, I told you about my new year's resolution. Remember that yeah. moment with my yeah. kid three years prior to that, my best friend died right before the start of school. And I had not processed that because what do we do as educators? We compartmentalize and we get by. And that's when I got caught and that's when everything changed. So we all want to get by, but gosh, don't we all just want to have a thriving life that we appreciate and feel good about and can wake up to and be happy to be alive. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. And I think we want to be able to go into our school, our workplace 
and not feel like we have to completely hide our own struggles, right? Not that not that I'm going to go in and pour out my soul um, and and cry, but if I've had if I have a trauma in my life, I want to know that. I have a little bit of wiggle room, right? And yeah. that people know that I really am trying because I'm probably judging my own performance harder than anybody else's. Yeah. And we do this with our students too. And kids don't even have the kind of brain development we have. And, but we put a lot of pressure on them to get through it. And so when we're skilled enough to keep our students in our classroom when they are struggling because they want to be in our space, even though they are struggling because you're the person they want to be near and learn from, and their capacity that day may not be as high as yesterday, but they're there. They stayed with you. And that's the message I give to leaders. We want your staff to do that. They are going to struggle, but we want you to keep them in that building, not always just getting by but they're still able to thrive even when they feel that pressure, even when something else is because like going on in their life, because they're there because they feel secure in the space that you've created for them. And that's what we're asking teachers to do for kids. So we leaders need to do that for the adults as well. So Charlie, we've talked a little bit about what I can do as an individual, just how I can be and how I can serve people in my school and start to build thriving community that way. Are there some more systemic things that I should be thinking about for taking next steps? There's a, yeah, the couple things just stuck in my mind again. I think we all need to shift our, our thinking. It's a, a simple shift. Number one, we need to stop playing the blame game. When And we all do this when we're in despair. It's hard on our ego to have acceptance and so I get why we're doing it, but we're all doing it. And we need to accept that we are blaming other people when something's going on that we actually have power to change, maybe not systemically, but within the system, I can change this in front of me. And I don't have to point fingers and blame. That's actually so negative. It perpetuates a negative system. And the other thing is let's sort through the fluff and just focus on a solution and sometimes that's a big solution that we advocate for systemically, or when we're in that system and you have someone coming to you with a problem, instead of all the fluff around it, identify, well, what is the need? How can I help you meet that need and solve this problem? Sometimes it's so simple. Yeah. Say more about that fluff. Cause I'm thinking yeah. a lot of times that fluff is actually symptoms, right? And we need to yes. dig down to the root problem, but I think you need more than that. I do mean more than that. So there's a lot of drama that we all create. Again, we, are all, we all participate. And so my thinking is this, and, and the research says this, it's not like that's all going to stop. Okay, like you said something before about judgment. I always say it's the unfair judgment that is boggling down the system that's creating fluff because then people feel powerless. People feel unfairly judged. And when you feel like that, your backup is up against the wall. So there are very brief things that we can do, like you said, to sort through that. It's The fluff is the emotional charge. The fluff is all the BS that we're creating that's just not accurate. So we, we talk about story spirals. We go into story spirals. We tell ourselves these things and we need to, it's not even totally based on fact often. And so it's identifying, okay, I'm in this space right now. I'm feeling the fluff, if you want to call it that. I'm emotionally charged. Here's that word again, 
notice. Mm. Notice you're there. And if you're a leader and seeing somebody come at you, notice they're there. And then that is, goes back to de-escalation, diffusion, but that gets too big. Just notice they're there and identify the need. Keep it simple. And you, but you have some frameworks and you have some, I know you're doing some work training people to be able to go back to their school and really be centers to build that thriving school community. So it's not all just falling on principals and assistant principals, right? So could, Correct. could you just talk a little bit about the program that you're doing? Because I think people may want to explore that. I can imagine listeners saying, yeah, this sounds great, but, but Yes, I can, I can be better, but how does this actually, how do I do this with my school? And I think you're doing some great work, Charlie. So I want you to talk about that for a minute. Thank you. Well, everything that I've mentioned is goes back to what is the problem with mental health in our education system? We identified nine areas that continuously show up. Not only does it show up in education, it shows up in mental health. It shows up in our family systems. It's showing up everywhere. For example, one of those problems we talked about already is unfair judgment. Another one is power imbalance. Imagine how critical our mental health can get if we're constantly swimming around in those things every day. And we do. Um, Polarization is another one. Insecurity is a big one. So those are just four areas. Those are four areas out of the nine that we identified. And so we came up with a skill with a simple tool to remember how to use the skill and build proficiency in order to combat that particular problem. So I mentioned the story spiral. So one of our skills is called self-reflection, for example. And that's about looking at that negativity and we give brain-based reasons why it's there and we show you why it's there and how it's showing up in reactivity. And then we give you the tool. We have you work through your own story spirals that you're creating all the time. And then we give you a tool to unravel that story spiral once you've noticed. So that's what we would do in a workshop, for example. I mean, I've spent two and a half hours just on one skill or 90 minutes just on one skill. We do virtual sessions. Um, oftentimes, it's they bring me in for a year because our program is scaffolds. So we identify the big problem. A lot of times the big problem is, well, we're overwhelmed. How do we respond to that? Well, we have a few skills we can help you with to scaffold that or challenging student behavior. <laughs> a lot of people feel very, your teachers feel ill-equipped to do this, to work with them. So there's a few more skills that help you step outside of yourself and create that safe, secure space for those kids. So how does that look? If you're a school or a district, we would come in and do a full day PD session. We'd spend the morning and afternoon working with your teachers or half day, or there's, there's lots. If you have a huge staff, we actually will do a virtual summit with your huge staff to reach everybody at once. But here's the thing. They, we need to start by equipping teachers mm. because when your teachers are equipped with these skills, they will build confidence and they will relieve the entire system because then your school, your school counselors, your school social workers can rely on them to be better informants, better historians, keep the kids in the classroom and not automatically send them down. They're building trust with the kids. The kids want to be in that secure space that they've learned to create. And your whole system is relieved with the school counselors and school social workers doing the work they're positioned to do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So what if I'm an assistant principal instructional coach, or even a, a principal, and I'm kind of on my own and, and I want to dig into this more. How do I go about doing that? 
Yes. Start with a phone call with me, email me, let's get on a call and I'll help you. But there is actually a course that I designed because there's only one of me to get out there and I'm working nationally with schools and there's not enough time. So we have to think of something to have schools autonomous and have something that's a long-term sustainable solution. So I did, I did create a course. It's called the Certified School Mental Health Facilitator Program. So you're an AP, you're an administrator, you you have leadership or your school counselor and you're working together, your mental health team can actually train in this. It's 12 hours and um, you can spend a little bit more time on it if you wanted to dive in. But by the time you walk away, it's self-paced. I am actually going to be adding some live sessions here because people are asking for it for training. But in, you could go through this course on your own and become a certified facilitator. It's great for leadership. So if you're trying to climb the ladder, it's it, there's a certificate you can earn. But more importantly, Frederick, they will learn these skills. That's based on our book. It's in the book. Um, they can learn these skills and have all of the materials to roll it out to their staff. It's not even as intensive as train the trainer. It's it because it's too big. We we don't have time for that right now. So they they have all the materials, a guidebook, and everything they need to roll it out to their own staff. Good. Well, I. I, I love today because I think what we've done is given people something they can immediately do that's simple, be mindful, notice, and let people know, hey, I noticed that, what do you need from me, right? So notice and need. People can do that right now. If you want to go deeper in this and you're recognizing that need in your school, call Charlie and or go look at that course because that is, that's something that you can do, or you might have a teacher, a teacher leader who's passionate about that. And that would be a great person to take a course like that because then that teacher leader is really at that level where they're going to have more contact with your teachers um, and be able to spread that word. Absolutely. Oh, Charlie, this has been great. I have a couple more questions for you as we start to wrap this up. Sure. The first one is what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? Hmm. That's a good question. I am always learning because as much as I do the work, there are new emerging pieces of information that come up that will help me help leaders think differently or apply these skills better. And, and often at time that comes from when I do professional development, I hear what the teachers are straining over or the leaders. And so that causes me to uh, dive deeper and do more learning on that. So there's always new things that pop up we have to adjust to. Yeah. Uh, and if listeners could take away just one thing from today's podcast, what would it be? That the solution to the youth mental health crisis we're in right now, it starts with us. The solution starts with us. I knew you would give me the sound bite moment. <laughs> that is the, well, the power yeah. quote. The solution starts with us. Thank you. Anything else that you want to say before we sign off here? I just, I want people to know that they're, we're always here to support them. We have a ton of free resources. If you go on our website, thrivingeducator.org forward slash audit. If you do nothing else with me, just get that free resource, download it, use it with your mental health team to start the conversation, to assess the strengths and deficits in your current system so that you all can start working a plan. So it's thrivingeducator.org forward slash audit. Okay. And we will put links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Charlie, this has been great. It has been 
months of us trying to get this together and it has been well worth the wait. Thank you so much for coming on for just bringing your genuineness and your optimism and power and sharing things with the audience that they can go do right now to improve people's lives and to create a more thriving school community. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you so much for having me. You can purchase her book, Improving School Mental Health, The Thriving School Community Solution on Amazon. You can also connect with her via email at charlie at thrivingeducator.org, on TikTok and on X, and we have all of those links in the show notes. Leadership is a journey, and thank you for choosing to walk some of this magical path with me. You can find links to all sorts of stuff in the show notes and including my website at frederickbuskey.com. I love hearing from you, so consider emailing me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com or connecting with me on LinkedIn. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Have a great rest of the week. Be present for others and take time to reflect and recover so you can continue to live and lead better. Cheers. 